Welcome to episode 730 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right here, welcome along to episode 730 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm alright. Okay, Bevan, how about yourself? You're in the cycling gear today, mate. I am, indeed. A little bit fresh to start and lost a glove. What do you mean you lost your glove? Okay, I was um, ready to come up this morning and went to grab my gloves, lost one. I'm pretty sure I lost it on Saturday because I took them off when I was riding. Oh, I don't no, think one made it home. And I rode cheap. I rode quite a long way out, did 50k out, 50k back. Where'd you, where'd you ride? Uh, out to a place called Southbridge, the home of Dan Carter for all our international rugby listeners. That's where Dan Carter's from. A so we ride, ride back village. and try to find your glove? If it's still there in a week's time, maybe. Have you ever, have you ever like one time I went for a run, went, went for a run up some road, lost my car key. Mm-hmm. So then I had to get Joe to come get an Uber because we only got one yep. car and come pick me up. We, we went in the car, found the car key up the road. Thank you, Tell us that one. Yeah. Great. So have you ever gone back to find something and found it? Not that I can recall. Where the hell's the snow gone, Bevan? I know, it's crazy, eh? It's, it's, it's really not that snowy. I'm looking out the mountains. Big, we've got this thing called a Norwest Arch, which means it's going to be really hot today. Yep. And the snow is disappearing. Uh, John? Good start to the show. Wait a second. So have you got, have you got backup gloves? <laughs> I had to go for the short fingerless gloves oh, and then put, on the, then put on the polyprope uh, sort oh, of You're really desperate. So it, it, it may do for today. Oh, gloves aren't cheap, John. Okay, the Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our fantastic patrons. I thought you said fantastic. No, they're not fat. They're no. just fantastic. Fantastic. Joseph the Star Walensky. We've got Charles the Shadow Meehan. And Mark the Missile Scudamore. Again, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. Uh, I changed it, John. Uh, we've got a product review. Product review centre. We haven't had this in a long time. Yes. <laughs> product review centre. We've got an interview. We have indeed. Uh, so somebody I want to talk to for a... For a while, uh, she's Swedish, Sara Svens. Uh, she had the fastest run split at the 70.3 World Champs last year, which is no mean feat because that was a quality it's field. It's a good field, yeah. Yeah, good times. Uh, we also going to do a John's History lesson. Well, this week was supposed to be the Olympic triathlon, and so I thought, I wonder, What do you mean, this week? I'm pretty sure the Olympic triathlon was supposed of to be course. on this week. That's, I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. The Olympics are meant to be on right now. Exactly. And I think it was wow, on this week. it's mind-blowing. I haven't even thought of that. I got my little prompt because uh, triathlon.org were doing, not triathlon.org, triathlonlive.tv, which is a great site. If you need some something to watch, go check it out. But they sent through and they were doing something this week on this week was supposed to be the Olympic triathlon. And I thought, maybe I'll do a little bit of a history lesson. We may have touched on this before. But I, so, so I thought, I'll go through over the next few weeks, each of the Olympic triathlons and give my little take on it. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question right now. But the thing was... The 2000 Olympics, which is the first one, which we're going to discuss today, I was quite interested with what I found in terms of the form leading into it and my perceptions of the winners were quite out of kilter what actually happened with what the year before. Okay, John, the only question I have, let's say someone here wants to do an Olympic week and they're going to watch one Olympic Ironman, no, sorry, Olympic ITU race, uh, which one do you choose? If they don't know the result. Uh, Athens. Athens. Which I, don't, I, I haven't checked to see if that's on there, so... I was yesterday watching the... And that's not just a Kiwi biased? No, no, that's a pretty epic race. Out of all the Olympics... Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yep, definitely yep. Athens. And for both females and males? Yes, 
but I, I did fa- very quickly fast forward through Sydney yesterday and that was pretty good as well it's the run I didn't really watch the bike and the swim but the run the thing with the Olympic channel is doesn't have any commentary which we've yeah, discussed before yeah. it's a weird experience but if you're just on the train and watching things um, and have well, some music well, obviously it's a rights problem but mm. sort it out because mm. commentators are worth their weight in gold. Yeah, so there may, there may be some other versions elsewhere on the net, um, but the 2000 is definitely up there. Uh, don't know if 2004 is. Okay, John, so we'll get into that deeper into the show. We've got some questions and answers. Wanger of the week at the end. John, let's talk about the races that happened over the weekend. We had the Ironman uh, Virtual Racing Series happen. Uh, a lot of coverage. John, you actually watched it and you thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it in terms of... Um, I just had it playing on the, the side a little bit yesterday on their Facebook coverage. And I've got to say, they're... they're doing a pretty good job of what is not the most exciting thing to watch so what they're doing now like during the swim league for the pros um, they kind of get them filmed and then they actually have a little graph on the side so you can see them in real time as they're swimming who's in front so they've got a little graph so oh, okay. moving out so that was kind of cool um, and then they do a similar sort of thing on the the run and then they're sort of having a bit of an interview chat with them um, they're, they've got all these different preems on the bike leg so they're making what is uh, essentially a fairly boring spectator sport into something that's um, that's certainly watchable. I wouldn't sit down in my armchair and watch it, but it's something to have, again, um, when you're on the trainer. Really interesting fields over the last couple of weeks, names that you will be most likely unfamiliar with mm. um, on both the males and the female side, which is good and bad. It probably doesn't have that star factor drawing maybe the audience No, they, they, they aren't getting the rock stars. Well, they they, were, they have been previously. Not, not the, really. The rock rock stars, yeah. but they've been getting really good athletes. We haven't seen Daniela, we haven't seen Jan, we haven't seen, you know, we haven't seen the rock stars yeah, of the game. The, the, um, but we've, we've seen a lot of Ironman winners. There's been some very good athletes, just probably those top three, both on the males and female sides, we haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and so it may be a strategy. They're trying to expose some some new athletes so no. it's um it's not a strategy strategy you get your rock stars yeah but you can't they're not going to turn up every week are they so they've no, got but to we do something them at all sorry they haven't had them at all no the top three yeah yeah so like it's not a strategy they didn't go let's let's avoid no but there's the longer term strategy going well, we can't get um who are some of the athletes like Meredith Kessler turning up every single week yep. to race so they've yep. got to do something so with this saying let's give the development athletes a bit of a chance here who knows anyway I don't really know any of these athletes particularly well, and some of them have never heard of them before. Uh, on the male side of things, we had, and I've got to say this run split is sensational, a guy called Matt McWilliams, uh, and this was his pro, funny way to do a pro debut, uh, but his first time ever racing as a pro, swam at 6.16 for a 500 metre swim, nice. uh, biked 53.46, which was on the Santa Cruz uh, That's 40K. course, 40k, and then this is impressive, and this is not off the bike, this is uh, during the week 828 for a three kilometer run uh that's that's pretty classy you know when i think mike phillips he uh had a really good run the other day when he did his and he ran nine minutes for his so i'd be 30 seconds in front of uh someone like mike it's uh, a solid run for somebody who has not really achieved anything in the in the sport well, when I say he hasn't achieved anything, he's actually uh, achieved some very good things as an age grouper. Uh, won a ton of races, won Boulder 70.3, um, Muncie 70.3, Gulf Coast 70.3, and in those races uh, he was 13th overall in Boulder. Uh, so his, his racings for last season, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 6 wins in his age group. He did get, oh that was a mixture of 2018 and 2019, so six 70.3s and six 1s, so that's pretty bloody impressive. So that's Matt McWilliams taking that race out. Uh, second and third, uh, second was uh, Thomas Davis, and then Santiago 
Asenko uh, from Brazil, and then Kevin Collington in fourth. So we've top, heard of Kevin before, haven't we? We heard Kevin Collington. Interviewed him in Kona a few years ago. So he's yep. a bit of. I, I'm not even sure if he's still super seriously racing um but he's 35 santiago ascendo is 39 and then thomas davis is 25 he's a brit uh, he's had a couple of top fives um in 70.3s but pretty pretty decent performance in the females race a uh, bit of a good solid win here by daniela dingman and this was um yeah we've got a really varied field here so you've got Dan- daniela dingman who's 32 years old uh and she's got a fairly interesting background whereas uh my story daniela she she did sort of track and stuff at school and made the olympic trials in 2008 for the 3000 meter steeplechase um but then she kind of went down a different path path uh and then she came back and went got into cycling and got into the top amateur team and raced professionally back in 2014 then she got a full-time job job and got married uh, and then she decided to make a come a go at triathlon in 2017 and has uh, smoked it since then so good on her but she was racing up a cu- against a few veterans uh, so you had Natasha van der Meer who's 39 a pro since 2010 ex- ex-pro tennis player and a mother of two she finished in second and then we had a, a pair of twins the Wasner twins, uh, Laurel and Rebecca Wasner, both 44. And Rebecca Wasner is a mum of three, been racing since 2003 when she won the US age group title. So they were bloody good swimmers, actually. They smoked it in the swim, um, but didn't fare as well in the other disciplines. So Daniela Dingman swam a 7.44 for her 500 metres, so she's not too flash in the water. But then uh, biked one hour and three seconds and ran a pretty impressive 10 minutes and four seconds for her 3k run for a 117.51 and destroyed the others by uh, six minutes uh, back to second another couple to third and another one to fourth so yeah good to see some uh, some pro racing still happening cool. it was in the age group racing was the final race in the current four race series of the 3k 40k run and the santa cruz 10k of course uh sorry 340.10 on the santa cruz course Okay, John, let's look at the age groupers. Uh, you had a smile on your face. I did because when I did the show notes yesterday, um, we had a guy called Aaron Gu who. From China? From China, he took it out, and it was fairly close racing. One hour forty-five for first, one hour forty-five eleven for first. Only sixteen seconds back to Samuel Claret from the US in th- second, and then only another ten seconds back to Scott McLaren in third place. Uh, but then I got up this morning and sort of checked it as I was coming around, and lo and behold, our fantastic Filipino <laughs> smasher has <laughs> taken it out again. This is over, you know, so roughly Olympic distance, a bit shorter than that, uh, and he's won it by seventeen minutes and is, he's still up there today so I wonder if it's a strategy he had that he, <clears> he goes he left it later to get on our show to get on the show because he goes they must do their purge on Monday New Zealand time um, or Monday American time as well and then <clears throat> we can't we record the show Tuesday morning New Zealand time and he somehow snuck in there under the radar after they've done the little purge and he's sitting top of the table his name is Mariano Marco from the Philippines he's in the 40 to 44 age group he's 41 years old and he did a very impressive uh, 10k run of uh, 32 minutes and a, a th- cycle of 47 minutes and then a 3k run of 9 minutes and 7 seconds come guy's on. an axe come on. somebody must know Mariano or uh, some of Iron Man can you just ban him <laughs> because that's just ridiculous uh, the fastest females overall was Gemma Carter-Collins we've got Gillian Strout she and dominated by 5 minutes yes yeah, she did too and then I'm going to say uh, how's that last one John from Brazil 
Tatiana Oliveria. Oliveria, there you go. I'm going from females 45 to 49 today, and I'll do the males in that same age group. Uh, close racing. Anna Willett from Australia took that out in a 2.12.29, uh, beating out Muriel Couture from Canada by 11 seconds, and Melissa Ken Martin from the States a couple of minutes back. Anna splits in the 45 to 49. She kicked off with a 13.53 for her um, 3K run. Then she biked a 109.59 and then ran a 48.37. So if you want to be in the top of the 45 to 49 age group, those are the sort of times you need to be banging out on the female side. I'll, I'll look at the 35 to 39. In the men, we had uh, Ben Fairclough. Uh, from Great Britain, we had Martin Kelly, and then we had Sean Series from USA, and then on the females we had Shona Keller, uh, we had Lauren Sherburn, Sherburn, and we had Maho Kimura from Japan. So my age group, which I'll be aging up into next year, <gasps> 45 to 49, so I think, yeah, next year I'll be aging up to 45 to 49. Uh, first place we had Takehiro Nemoto from Japan, uh, Janzu, Janus, Jeepers, that's a tricky one from Poland. Uh, Zilkowitsk and Lasio Varga from Hungary in third. So, what have I got to do, Bevan? If I wanted to top my age group, I would need to kick off with a 1039 uh, opening 3K. It's not mucking around too much. Uh, then biked 101.10 and then ran a 38.28. Could you do those? I know the bike course is a bit rolling, so I'm not quite sure on the bike. Um, yeah, I could do the, the yeah. run times. Yeah, good times. Okay, last this time last year, guys, we are, I haven't got any racing at the moment, so we are looking at last year's results. And we're looking at Ironman Tallinn uh, in 2019. There were only, it was a female-only race. There were only six pro finishes, and the conditions were pretty tough that year. Um, they were saying that on Dawson's site here, he's got that the year before it was pretty tough for the men's race, and it's the same again it was. Because of the cold water temperature, the war swim was moved to an alternative location at the lake. But the times were pretty much normal for the women. The bike was quite quick. Uh, and the run was slightly faster uh, than last, but still seemed quite accurate. So there you go. So this was in Estonia, uh, Tallinn, and I think this we had a discussion a few weeks ago about the fastest forty-year-old females and males right. who have yep. gone under either eight or nine hours. And I think this might have been one of the ones for Corinne Abraham. She smoked it, swam fifty-nine oh three. She's not a strong swimmer, um, biked a four thirty-nine forty-seven, uh, and then paid for that a bit on the run. Uh, but also maybe she was just racing for the win because she had a, a really healthy lead. Uh, she ran a three twelve for an eight fifty-five twenty-two. She had a massive lead. Yeah, huge. Where did they run from the second place getter? Great. Christian Leopold from Germany ran 253. That's a smoking uh, effort. And she needed to do that, though, to, to get herself into second. She only ended up 15 seconds in front of Kimberly Morrison, who we know is a great bike rider, uh, only just... So she must have taken, yeah. And interestingly, um, Kimberly had already qualified, so Kim Morrison did get the qualification for Kona. Yeah, so... There we go. That was uh, the only racing we had uh, this time last year. Now, we did get an email through from... Who sent that through, John? Um, one of our lovely listeners. Uh, they sent through an email saying that it looks like there are going to be some races happening in the UK in September. At this stage, the Outlaw is going ahead and the Weymouth 70.3 is, at least at this moment in time, still going. So we'll have to just wait and see on that because... Tell you what, people will be loving if they go ahead. 
Yeah, but uh, and there is racing going ahead in Europe. We get, we're getting a couple of emails through from listeners, and, and I think there was a race in Germany maybe last weekend, certainly racing in Austria. Uh, so there is some random racing happening here or there, but I think all too often we see the, we've seen a number of events saying, yep, we're going ahead, we're going ahead, we're going ahead, and then boom, uh, race week, uh, sorry, we're not going ahead. So fingers crossed for, for UK that you guys can get some racing if that's what you're keen to do. Okay, John's ITU update. Super League have announced their field for the arena event. Uh, no American woman, but tell us about the field, John. Yeah, so this, I'm looking forward to this because when uh, is it? it's in a couple of weeks' time. I uh, should have a date on there somewhere, but it's definitely in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, it's going to be held, if you haven't re- seen the news, indoor century triathlon. 23rd, <coughs> racing on 23rd Zwift, of August. 23rd of August, great. Same day as the next JD duathlon. Um, and it's going to be good. It's really, really good. Uh, they're going to be racing on Zwift. Not sure where they're going to do the, the running um, and the swimming, but it's all going to be indoor. I think it's going to be fantastic because all the, all the whatever so smart trainers. Pool, smart yep. trainer on the side of the pool. No, no, smart trainer in uh, arena. So, you know, you have crowds and everything sort of screaming you on. Oh, uh, they're going to crowds as well. Well, actually, I don't know about crowds. Uh, I assume they will. That would have been their intention, I'm sure. Obviously, depends on what's it's going in on in particular, particular countries. So, so they, they haven't got, as Bevan said, there's no US females just because of, obviously, the travel difficulties getting across to Europe. So it's mainly European athletes or athletes based in Europe. Um, and you haven't got all the big hitters. You haven't got the Spanish and things like that. But you've got enough to make this what I think could be a really interesting race. You've got Johnny Brownlee, Richard Murray on the men's side of things, Jonah Schomburg, who's uh, a bit of a beast, Aaron Roy. Oil. Um, Pierre Lacour, who's one of the top Frenchies, Anthony Puharis, who's another really good French Frenchie, uh, and a bunch of other guys. Um, so it should be some some good racing. And then on the female side, you got Cassandra Bogan, Rachel Kramer, and Claimer, Georgia Taylor Brown, uh, and Jess Nearmonth. So you have and, and Leonie Perel. Uh, so you have got some very very good Super League athletes racing there. So I'm just uh, interested to see how this goes um, in terms of how it all pans out. You know, we've seen Zwift racing when everybody's in their remote, remote communities or um, locations, but when they're all together and you're all looking up at the big screen at one stage, uh, I think it could be really, really cool. I'm just curious to see, is it, is it something they can sell to TV? I would have thought so. Because that's what the Super League's trying to get to, isn't it? It's mm. trying to get to that point where it's you know going to turn on Sky Sport or whatever sports channel you have where you are. And on a Saturday afternoon or wherever you are, it's going to just turn up and, oh, that's triathlon, I'll watch it. And mm. it's doing it in, in the real racing, it's doing it in a pretty cool, entertaining package. So I'm kind of curious to see. It'll be interesting to watch, to think, people outside of our sport, would this be something they'd want to watch? Mm. It's, I just think it's... Good on the trying. It's like, it seems interesting. that could easily be done anywhere in the world. Yeah. And... That, that then you could have all your different Super League qualifiers in different corners of the world. We could run one, like we're getting a new complex built in Christchurch, um, new swimming pool, and, and they're going to have big uh, courts and everything right next to it. We could easily run something there, and you could, it would just be so cool as long as the bike league is fair and accurate, which if you've all got standard, the same trainers lined up there, you can calibrate them all and make sure they are all accurate and they're nice and new, then I think it'll work really, really well. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how this goes. Yeah, it would just be okay. So let's say let's say next year Super League comes across you. It's just this facility which won't be done by them, but you know, in theory, you'd go. But do you think many people in Christchurch would go watch it? Well, uh, 
it's all down to marketing. I think if you've got the right athletes, um, yes, you'd get a good crowd. But the way to do it is then you have a massive big age group competition running running during the day as well. So if you maybe have 12 kickers or whatever set up and you just get all your local triathlon community, there gives you a crowd instantly of mm. whatever, you know, a couple of hundred. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, you know, if, if we were to get all the top Kiwis, all the top Aussies over here, uh, and you've got enough money to do some really good marketing, I think you could make it really cool. And, and we're a t- Christchurch is a tiny place, but if you tried to do it in London or something, hell yeah, you'd pack a place out. Yeah, I'm really just curious to see what the spectator experience would be in a stadium. Like, I know the, the one they did in the 80s, it looked pretty, really boring, to be honest. The one, remember the one they did in yeah, France? Yeah, yep. Um But we live in different times, and the technology makes it way more fascinating now. Mm. And with big screens, you know, you could really make it quite a cool experience. Um, so, yeah, game on. Good luck, mm. is what I'm saying. Okay, last week's discussion, John, your favourite swim sets. And it turns out not many people like swimming. Uh, to be honest... Timing probably wasn't immaculate on this one. Oh, when a lot of people point. aren't swimming. Yep, um, yeah, it's I, kind of us showing off. Yeah, I did hear a good one uh, this week. I've got a guy, a coach in the UK, and his pool's reopening this week. Um, and like a lot of places around the world, you've got to book in. You're only allowed in for a, for a certain amount of time, but you're not allowed to do backstroke. Because I put I, oh, I, I, I put individual medley into his program. So oh, that's all good. I'm looking forward to getting back to the pool, but we're not allowed to do backstroke apparently. Uh, I kind of I kind of get it. But then wait a second, when you breathe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although you meant to breathe under the water, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it was an interesting one. So yeah, a lot of uh, people trying to be funny on this post saying, I hate swimming. Yeah, we've we got bugger all sets. Like, yeah. Volker, the Vespicular Viking Vault. Favourite swim set, zero metres warm-up, then zero times 100, uh, followed by zero times 800 for the cold beer afterwards. Oh, Joe Skipper said, the tricep dip I do to get out of the pool and take a shower. <laughs> Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Christine McKinley. She's got early. Actually, Christine, I need to get my. Have you been to the dentist recently? Yes, fairly recently. I have. Oh, good man. Mm-hmm. I need to go see her now. It's that time of the year. Early morning, long sw- summer sea swim in Littleton Harbour. Great for the body and soul. Michael Taylor, uh, this is a good birthday session to do. My age and years times 100 on my birthday. So at least I know it, I know it can be followed with a beer and dinner with a few friends. Tom, some of who's got, if it's good enough for John, it's good enough for me. I've got a set for you today, Tom. Yep. Uh, Matthew Binz has got Saturday morning 3K ocean water swim. Uh, we, now, we have actually got a few people that did put some suggestions in. So Rich Walker says a pyramid going 100, 200, 300, 400, 300, 200, 100. I do quite like doing that set again. Uh, then again with paddles and a pool boy. So one set swim, one set uh, paddles, and I'm not sure if I've even quickly done my maths whether you do a third set with a pool boy. So total 3,200 metres. Uh, I've got uh, Nis Hugo Lind. He's got... 40 times 50 break 10 seconds or on the 60 depending on the purpose or 60 minutes non-stop open water yeah now this is a great next one uh, a great set that it's I've, I've actually done it's very very similar uh, from Hua Chin 1625s on the 30 and you do every fourth one fast so sort of three three steady or three moderate one fast then you do 1225s on the 30 every third one fast so two steady, one fast. 8.25s every second one fast. And then you do 4.25s all fast. Uh, I've done that set loads of times, but do it as, as 50s, and it's um, pretty sure it adds up to two case. Really good set to have some pace variation. Uh, so you go 16.50s every fourth one fast, 12.50s every third one fast, 
eight fifties every second one fast and four twenty four fifties all fast. And the way that we used to do it is you get a little bit more rest as you're going through the set. So with the first round when you're only going every fourth one fast, you might get five seconds rest. Next set you get ten. Next set you get fifteen. And the last set you'd get uh, twenty seconds. And she also got a three times eight hundred meters time trial with one minute break in between. That's a bit of a ball buster. Three eight hundred TT. That's a solid swim. What about you, John? Um, Your hold on. Mark Sisson says uh, John Ellis five four three two one. So what's that? I don't know what that was. I guess that's probably 500, 400, 300, 200, 100. Okay. Uh, so for me, a couple of my favourite sets. I've kind of got three that I um, particularly like, and the first one is thirty one hundreds. Just get in there and do thirty one hundreds. I normally do them probably on the one thirty five when you're swimming well. You just come in, you get just nice steady pace, get seven seconds rest and boom you're off again and just a great way to bang out 3k after doing a bit of a warm-up have a little warm down job done uh the second one which is quite similar to what we did this morning in the pool actually but i'll, I'll go into my swim set later on oh, wow. don't We're worry about times. that well, don't I, worry. I really can't wait uh is six four hundreds descend one to three four to eight and what i mean by descending is it means you get a bit quicker from number one two and three so for example you might for, for us this morning um i think we were going about six minutes for our first 400 about 5.50 for the second and say 5.40 for the third one so you're getting about 10 seconds quicker each 400 and then you repeat that so sort of steady, moderate, hard, steady, moderate, hard and then my last one which is a great uh, benchmark test is you do 10 100s uh, as hard as you possibly can and you do them so you get around about a minute's rest so um, <clears throat> you'd probably do them on like the 2.15, 2.30, uh, so that means every 2 minutes 30 you're leaving for your next 100, so if you swim 1 minute 29, that means you get 1 minute and 1 second rest, uh, so you go as hard as you possibly can, uh, whilst trying to pace your way through the set, but as 10 100s as hard as you can with, uh, with quite a big rest, which initially, you're standing there going, this minute is taking forever, and you get to about number 8 or 9, you're going far out, this minute this is going <laughs> so fast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it is funny how that happens. Uh, for me, I always like the pyramid. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to put, you know, just good old 50, 100, 200, 300, 400, and back the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was never really big into long sets. Mm-hmm. That was probably just my dislike of swimming. Yeah. Um, but if you've got in a good squad with a good pyramid session, people pulling you along, you know, mm-hmm. who have slightly better ability, that kind of desperation to staying on feet, um, <laughs> you know, that was kind of my swimming experience the whole time. But, uh, you know, yeah, that top end stuff, when you're coming back, you know, or you do a pyramid, you do like 450s, pyramid up, back down, then another 450s at the end, mm. you know, that kind of stuff where you're kind of maxing out at the start and you're just kind of getting more fatigued, then you've got to try peak out at the end. Mm. I kind of like those sets, they're kind of the sets I kind of like. Whenever you go to the pool though, have a plan. Yeah. I can't, just occasionally when you go to the pool and I don't have a written plan up, you just you bumble along yeah. and, and yeah, it's just a struggle. So there's lots of websites out there now and resources you can use which have got a bunch of oh, swim programs have something written on the side of the pool as well? Sometimes, uh, no, yeah. Not really? Not really. You just you swam at one particular pool that did that. Yeah, well, Aqua Gym would, but also Centennial used to. Yeah. But that was when Chris McAteer used to work there. Right. He, he always put good sets up. Right, yeah. 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 Rest in peace, good old Chris. But um, yeah, you'd always you'd go there and he'd be putting up beginner, intermediate, and advanced and the advanced were really hard sets. Mm. Yeah, it was good. Speaking of Chris McAteer, one of our people who put a post on there, Tom Somerville, he won the Chris McAteer Award at our Canterbury Tri Club uh, evening at the weekend. Oh, nice. Yeah. Who won what? 
Um, the the gar- the carpet was getting a bit worn by about three people because there was lots of categories. Yeah. So we have like the sprint, sprint distance, and then you've got all the age groups. They yep. get, they get certificates, and then you've got duathlon, Olympic distance. Uh, so there's lots of certificates, and the same people winning the same things oh, the whole okay. time. And then you have your trophies like athletes, you know, age group of the year, etc. And uh, Tyrone Halliot got the age group of the year. Oh, Tom, nice. Tom got about bloody four other ones for winning various different races. So yeah, nice. And we had oh. I'll talk about that later on as well. Okay. Uh, John, this week's discussion, and John had wanted to do one about COVID, but it's probably a bit early. So um, I've gone basic, guys. I've gone, how would you like your triathlon community to describe you as a person and as an athlete? So, you know, just what, you know, what? how do you think your triathlon community thinks about you? And in two levels, A, just as a person, and then B, as an athlete. So kind of deep question for me John right that's how I roll okay let's do coaches corner so a few weeks ago we got an email through from form goggles and they said we'd love to send you some goggles through to give a trial um and I said well I don't swim so <laughs> don't send two pairs because I don't need them but they sent it through a pair for John and he's been doing his research John yeah so uh the form goggles uh, wh- what they basically are it's like having a garmin or, or a, a gps watch kind of in one of your eyes so uh, i have it on my right you can switch around that but it's the default you can have it on either eye and it's so just there's a, this little thing there that little, you move little uh no you just switch your goggles around the other side oh, and okay. you have to change the settings slightly but by default it's on your right eye uh, and so there's two fields that you can see as you're swimming so there's a a, a clock on the top and then there's another another field you can have displayed on the bottom so again fairly similar to what you can do on a watch obviously on some watches you know you have lots of fields on there um, but in this case there's only two and it's a bit limited in terms of what um, what you can display on there uh, it's a f- clear pair of goggles um, and it's got a little computer on the side of when I say a little computer like a little box on one side of the goggle and that's where all the information is, is coming from um, it's how they work um, fairly easy to set up uh, the big challenge is uh, is trying to figure out what you want displayed and the default settings that I got was not really what I wanted to display so wait so, in the display you get two parts you get two parts okay yep so at the top is your time uh, and that can either be your total time or your interval time so by total time if you're swimming yeah you're just doing like a long um, continuous swim that's your total time if you're doing intervals that time will change every time you stop so up the top is always a time and you can't change that um, and down the bottom that is where you have got the ability to change what you want to see um, so you can have your pace per 100 meters or per 50 um, you can have your distance you can have your stroke rate etc and that and, and then the other things that you can change is what you want displayed every time you turn. Okay. So every time you turn, oh, okay. so you're at like 25 a or a 50, uh, it gives you a lap time for what, um, what you did for that particular length, uh, and then you can decide what you want to have displayed down there. So I... Every time I turn, I have uh, a lap time comes up, and then also how far of that interval I've swum. So say I'm going through the 75 metre mark, down the bottom pop up 75 metres, it'll give me my split time, how long it's taken me to swim that 75, and then it'll do that every single length. Um, And yeah, so it took me probably four swims or so to figure out how what I how I want to have it configured, and there's a bit of faffing around because it all you can't do it on the fly. It's all done through your app. So okay. the first swim I did, I was jumping in and out of the pool. It was a bit annoying, and then I after that, then I basically figured out I think what this is what I want. Set it up before I swam and just swam with it, and then just tweaked it a little bit each time. And and yeah, for me, it's taken me about four swims to get exactly what I want. Um, 
so you can choose this, this, a couple of different modes. You can be in lap mode, which is for more continuous swimming. So it's fantastic for just pacing um, and just having a clock rolling and helping with your, your counting of your lengths. Um, but what I always have mine set in now is interval mode um, because when we go to the pool, we're just doing a variety of different sets. Yeah. Um, and it's every time you stop and stand up, it resets, and so it's a great way for counting your laps and getting your times for that particular interval. Um, there is also an open water option that you heard Sarah Corrali talk about a couple of um, weeks ago on the show. Haven't tested that out yet. Two reasons for that. It's the middle of winter, so I'm not <laughs> going swimming. Uh, and secondly, it doesn't actually work off the goggles. It works off your 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 watch, um, but only works with Garmin or Apple Watches. And I have a Sunto watch, uh, and so that won't work at this stage until they obviously pair the two up. Uh, so the data is coming off your wristwatch. So if your wristwatch is, doesn't give you good swim data when you're up more to swim, then I imagine that the, the data you get in your goggles is not going to be uh, amazing either. So we'll see how that sort of pans out. Um, as I said, every time you stand up at the end of um, doing a, say you're doing three, four hundreds, yeah, it'll, it'll stop and it will tell you what your split time was and you can set it up to give you a summary of how far you've swum for that particular interval, um, how far you've swum for your whole session. Um, obviously it depends on how long your rest is. So we were doing a, a set the other day and I was only coming in getting like four or five seconds rest and it wasn't having enough time to click through. So um, there's that little limitation there. And the other thing that you can do as well is with drills, kick, etc. you can switch modes um, as you're doing it and then you can go and do your however far you're going to do for drill and kick. Say you do 300 metres and you press the drills function, you press start, you go and do your drills and you press stop and then it just asks you how far did you swim and you can manually put it in uh, 300 metres and then that adds to your distance and that shows up at the end of the session as well. So that was quite a good <coughs> good little function but it does take a few seconds to, to figure that out. So, <coughs> um, so what are they good for? Really good for pacing and recording times. Um, you don't have to touch any buttons. So if you're swimming normally, you know, you, you've got your watch on and people are going to come in and every, you hear everybody's t whacking the, the button on their, their watch. You don't have to do that. It picks it up all automatically and I've found it to be really, really accurate. Um, so it records your times. Um, really good for counting distances. Um, the other day we were doing a 400 and one of the, the, the Nicole and the crew came in and said, I think that was 50 short. And I said, no. It's not 50 short. The goggles don't lie. Um, and the goggles don't lie. And the, really easy to recall the data via the phone app. And this is probably one of the coolest features I've seen is it just picks up everything uh, just about 100% accurately. It was so close that it's uh, the stuff that isn't quite accurate is like you warm down and things like that occasionally. But so for, when I go and do my swim this morning, you know, we did a set of three 400s, then we did two 100 IMs and then three 400s. Picked it up all 100%, all your times and everything in there all labelled. Uh, so that's really, really cool uh, information for when you're going back and you're doing your session analysis if that's something you're going to do. So I found it to be really, really accurate. As I said, the only times where it hasn't been accurate this morning, um, when I was doing my warm down, and it was 200 metres warm down, doing a bit of breaststroke, backstroke, just farting around. Um, when you sort of stop start changing strokes mid-lengths, that confused it. It's still got the distance right, but it was just, it said I did a, a 25 and then a 75 and then a 100 instead okay. of a 200. Um, but that is a very, very minor. For everything else, it's been uh, really, really good. Accuracy's been good. Um, when I've been checking, you know, the times compared to um, what I see on the clock. So overall, it, so the question is, are you a better swimmer because you have them? Um, 
No, and for someone like me who is a swimmer, uh, or ex-swimmer, kind of a lot of the stuff comes instinctively. So again, an example this morning, we did three, four hundreds to send one to three, and I was at the back of the lane, so I don't really get to dictate the pace, yep. um, but I wanted to be going, you know, roughly 130s for the, fir- for the first set, then a couple of seconds quicker, and a couple of seconds quicker. The guys who led the lane just started, did it perfectly. We were 10 seconds quicker between each one, so it had no effect on my swim at all, yep. other than when I was swimming along, uh, I was going, yep, we're on pace, we're sweet, this is, this is good. So if, if you're a, a, a swimmer who uses the clock religiously and you love doing that, then, yeah, is there a need for these? They're interesting. Um but probably probably no need. If you swim somewhere where there's no bloody time clock or anything like that, and well, you don't and, swim and, and squat, I do think the open water effect will be massive. Mm. You know, like because if you know it's like an open water, you you don't know. Oh, what totally you're doing. Yeah, you no, know. open water would be would be interesting. Also, uh, if you want to do some sets in an open water, mm. you know, because in the, in open water, you it's more you just kind of go, I'll go for a little bit longer. You know, there's no real you don't really. Have we a can have your watch beeping and vibrating these days, um, so you can do that. But there's no pace pace control. Um, I think the thing with these is uh, the big question is yeah, 199 bucks US, um, and you're probably going to have to replace them. Probably every year, I'd say, um, yep. depending on how frequently you use them. Um, are they going to make you a better swimmer? It kind of depends if you're going to use them. It's it's no different to a heart rate monitor or a GPS watch or a power meter. So many people have got those devices. They record the data and it all goes up to Training Peaks or Strava or whatever. And you go, well, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, cool. I averaged 200 watts um, or whatever it was. But if you're not actually using the tools, then it's kind of a bit of a waste of money. It's no different to a heart rate monitor, power meter, etc. If you're somebody going... I've really struggled with my swimming. I, I'm really going to knuckle down and try to do some structured swimming. And I'm going to the pool and I want to do 10 200s and I want to be holding 3 minutes 20 pace or whatever. And you're not really used to using the clock like a swimmer. I think that'd be fantastic. Well, I actually think there'd be a lot more value for a beginner swimmer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like, you are so trained in using a clock. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know me, I yeah. never use the clock. Yeah, totally. you know, Or I'd struggle with the clock because I don't, when would I start the clock? You know, like yeah. half my time I was confused about what the clock was doing. Whereas if, for me, that would have been pretty great. And the pacing control, uh, whenever, if I get athletes to do a 400 TT yeah. or a 1000 TT, the pacing is atrocious. If you think running racing is bad yeah. in terms of uh, people going off fast, swimming is unbelievably bad. So from that perspective, really, really good as well. You can do all the stuff with your watch, but you've got to, then you've got to stop and look at it every yeah. 100 or, or t- do a slow turn and, and check it out. So Price point, it's not cheap, but you know, you're looking at 200 US, so in Kiwi ways, you're looking at about 300 bucks. Mm. You know, so like it is that price point, which is a little bit kind of, mm. you know, for me, if I was getting into Ironman, on the list of priorities, where would it go? It probably down, you know, obviously you've got to get other things first. But as John says, if you are looking to do that next level of swimming period in your training, it's probably a good investment. And if budget's not an issue, yeah, I think they, they work. They basically do what they're, there's nothing more frustrating than getting something and it doesn't do what it's supposed to bloody do. That's right. <laughs> um, whereas do they, what's on the box. You know, they, this does does what it says on the box and if you're going to use it, then uh, then great. I, uh, so far, out of you know five or six swims, I haven't had any issues with them. Just takes that few swims to get up to speed to get displaying what you want displayed. So uh, yeah, so they're called cool. Form Goggles. Check it out. And the website is formswim.com and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. John, we've got an interview. Who is it? Sarah Svent from uh, over there in Scandinavia. Very fast athlete, as you're going to hear. Uh, fastest run split, 70.3 world champs and some amazingly fast uh, Ironman racing and uh, a lot more to her than just her triathlon. Here we go. 
Righty-ho team, um, this week's show we have a special guest from Sweden, she's a 31 year old medical doctor who also races as a professional and races very fast, she has a Ironman PB of 8 hours and 34 minutes which actually makes her the 5th fastest female professional athlete of all time uh, and she also had the fastest run split at the 70.3 World Champs in Nice last year as well as winning Ironman Bar. Barcelona. So we've got Sarah Svens from Sweden on the line. How are you doing, Sarah? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Good. Very, very nice to be talking to you. Cool. Hey, I've seen your results come up and down all over the place over the last couple of years, but a lot of people won't know of you because you seem to be still fairly new to the sport. So to tell us a bit about your like your one-minute life story before before you found triathlon. Oh, one-minute life story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I actually, um, well, uh, to start with, I don't actually have a real sports background in uh, swimming, running, or biking. I uh, uh, did a lot of horseback riding back in my younger days. Yeah. Uh, and then when I started to study uh, to become a medical doctor, I really fell in love with the, uh, what do you call it, like, uh, yeah, cardio uh, activities, biking, running, uh, and a little bit of swimming at the time, but, but not much. Uh, and therefore, it just went from zero to 100, more or less. <laughs> um, and what was... Um what was your when, when was this when, when was your first triathlon oh, yeah back in 2014 that's still very new and, and, yeah. and, and what inspired you to, to get into the sport uh, I, th- uh, I was working in Norway the summer of 2012 where the Olympics in London mm-hmm. uh, so, and I watched Lisa Norden, the ah, Swedish nice. silver medalist, yeah, and when she uh, won the silver medal and I was just so inspired by, by her and the ability these athletes had, so I decided to uh, give it a try a couple of years later. <laughs> wow, that's been a fast, uh, a fast road to the top. So d- d- you mentioned Lisa Norden there, and at the moment, like the Norwegian men's team is going really well and we've seen lots of athletes out of Sweden over the years um, what is it about Scandinavia and being able to produce really good triathletes in countries that you know your, your triathlon season is relatively short and uh, are much better known for you know your winter sports exactly um, I don't think there's anything specific but I just think that you need one person or maybe two persons to just get get the standard and show everybody else that it's actually is possible to do uh, like summer sports in Sweden. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's pretty much what you need because it, it is possible. Yeah, we have a long winter, but uh, we also have a very beautiful summer and a nice spring. Uh, where I live here in south of Sweden on the west coast, uh, the winter is pretty. Uh, pretty mild, yeah, yeah. so yeah. You, you can bike all year round. Oh, cool. <laughs> even if it's even if it's raining and <laughs> sometimes yeah, yeah. very yeah. cold, but it it is possible. Nice. Uh, how the heck have you balanced um, your 
medical career with being a professional athlete? Uh, at the moment, I'm working two days per week uh, at a healthcare center. And those two days are my easy days uh, where I try to focus on recovering. And I think that my work as a medical doctor sometimes is a little bit of recovery for me because you have to focus on something else more than just the sport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to, <laughs> to relax into it, but of course some days are really hard at work and uh, you are tired afterwards and it's hard to... Uh, do your best at the training session. Uh, so, of course, it, it, I think it's uh, affect my sport in both directions, uh, both positive and negative. Yeah. And what did you have planned? Yeah, obviously 2020 is a, a year like none of us have experienced before. Um, what were your original plans for, for this year? Uh, my plan was to uh, race actually so, some of the really big races this year so it was uh, Frankfurt mm-hmm. uh, during the summer and uh, uh, Challenge Samarin the championship uh, and then Kona uh, mm-hmm. of course uh, and probably some, some halves in between there uh, but my big big goal was Frankfurt, Samarin and Kona right and yeah. What have you been doing with the? Obviously, you, you know, uh, there's been no racing in, in Europe. So, what what have you been focusing on during this whole um, pandemic? Uh, in the beginning, I actually was suffering from a small injury, so uh, it was more or less focused on getting back uh, to training as uh, normal as possible. Uh, and then I have so I had time to work on my swim skills, uh, which is my weakest. Uh, discipline uh, and we in Sweden the pool have been open uh, all all the time so I've been swimming a lot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and now when I'm injury free and uh, able to run a bike uh, I'm just trying to build a yeah like a strong solid base <laughs> and what, what was your injury uh, Actually, actually, I don't know because I went to, as, as I told you before, I have a background in horseback riding. So I yeah. went to this horse, uh, big horse competition here in Sweden and I was sitting still for like two hours, but I was sitting very uncomfortable. Yeah. So I got something in the backside of my knee. Oh. <laughs> and we're not sure what it was, but, but I felt it when I, uh, when I walked away from the, from the competition and uh, just like it started to... Uh, feel more and more and the day after I couldn't bike and I couldn't run and we did an MRI scan and yeah there were some fluids uh, around the uh, hamstring muscle but nobody know what was the cause of it and it took a couple of weeks but then it was over (laughs) weird yeah never had it before (laughs) spectator sports are not good spectating sports are not good exactly sitting still is <laughs> so, to talk us through. We just want to talk through some of your big races for for last year. So, mm. the the seventy point three world champs in Nice. Uh, as I said earlier, you had the fastest run split of the day there, which is 
incredibly impressive at the at the world champs so what was the the plan going into the race um how did the race actually go for you other than having the the fantastic run split and and did, did you kind of meet your expectations hmm. uh world champs nice was actually one of my biggest goal uh last year uh and i went down to nice pretty uh, like I think it was two or three weeks before the competition uh, because I know it's a challenging bike course uh, and my bike handling skills downhill are not the best <laughs> <laughs> so I need to be there to practice the course and I, I I don't know how many times I have ridden the course but it, it's, it's a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway when uh, when the yeah when the day came and uh, uh, after the swim I was really disappointed actually because I uh, I was not where I wanted to be uh, and I think it put a little bit of mental uh, issues for me on the bike because I felt I didn't feel good on the bike at all uh, but like halfway through I realized that I have to try to change this up and I have to try to enjoy uh, the race because it's the world championship and you should enjoy it you should enjoy racing the best athletes in the world uh, so there was like a breaking point and I just found some relaxation in it and uh, try to go down as fast as possible e- even though I know I lost plenty of time there <laughs> but when I got into the run it was just yeah, I have to do what I can to uh be as best as possible so not much thought about it just went went for it uh, and then I had actually had my dad screaming like it was the last K that you have goal number 10 in front of you you can catch her <laughs> so so yeah right. uh, the run was really good uh, screaming, by, screaming bike not so good and, and how about Barcelona? Obviously, you know, incredibly fast time. We know that Barcelona is a fast course. Um, mm. Just just talk us through that day and, and if, if that's been your best Ironman to date, um, w- what made the difference? Mm. Uh, it was definitely my best Ironman to date. Uh, and I was, I was very relaxed before the competition. I, I knew... Uh, I was in very good shape and uh, uh, I just needed to trust all my training uh, and try to focus and I will be able to do a really good results. Uh, I usually don't keep track of the time when I'm racing uh, and I keep, of course on the bike I keep track of uh, power and uh, a little bit of run splits during the run but I don't keep track of the overall time so I didn't know I, uh, I went so fast mm. uh, but I think I, I had like these almost the perfect day there's always something that you can change uh, but I had all, almost a perfect day from from the swim start to the uh, finish line nice um, and, and talk about Kona I know you went to Kona in 2018 I think it was um, but had a DNF so what was the, the cause of that uh, yeah, it was my first time on Kona. I was super excited. Uh, and one week before the race, I think it was my last run actually, uh, I started to feel a little bit of pain in my hip or my back. Uh, didn't pay much attention to it because it it felt it was it was not that 
big of a pain, just a little bit of uncomfortable. But after the run, uh, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk out of the shower. So I realized, okay, this is something really bad. But you know, you you have this hope that it it might work. Maybe it's just a strained muscle or something like that. So I went to so many different kinds of massage therapists and physiotherapists, uh, etc. Uh, and uh, uh, but yeah, the pain didn't go away. Uh, I decided to try to start, uh, so I did a swim, uh, but I couldn't run through the transition. Uh, and then I just took my bike out to see <laughs> maybe I can bike even if I can't run, but I, I couldn't bike either. Uh, and uh, well, as I I'm a medical doctor, so I try to like rule out some. Uh, some things and uh, I came to the conclusion that it's possible that I have a stress fracture or it's m more likely uh, that I have a stress fracture and when I got home I did an MRI scan and it showed that I had a big uh, stress fracture in my sacrum actually mm. the same as um, John Ferdino and uh, Sanders mm. Mm. yeah that's no good, <laughs> no good. how long does uh, it recovery for that Oh, a long time. I think I was out of any weight-bearing activity for maybe eight weeks, uh, just small walk uh, walks, uh, and then I started to uh, bike a little bit, uh, and eventually I started to run. But I think I had 16 weeks out of running, yeah, uh, just to yeah. be sure, uh, and then I had to work a lot of with my yes strength and uh, stuff like that. Cool. So um, you've obviously had some, some really good Ironmans now and great 70.3. Tell us about your, your race day nutrition. What, what do you eat before the race, during the race and, uh, and possibly after the race? Mm. Uh, I always start the day with oatmeal. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. on a regular basis and uh, on competition day as well uh, and then during the race uh, I use a Swedish brand called uh, Yumara Sports mm -hmm. uh, and I actually usually I put gels into into aero bottles mm -hmm. uh, because the gels are um, more like a, a really what would you say? It's, it's not that sticky and it's pretty fluid yeah uh, so it's it, you can drink it easily uh, and uh, uh, try to hit approximately 80 gram of carbohydrates per hour mm. uh, during the bike and then I drink just as much as possible because I know I always drink uh, less than I should anyway so I just try, try to drink uh, a lot yeah and yeah. Um, any special post-race food uh, tr trying to get a protein shake, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I usually, you know, when you have been competing for a long day or just have a long training session, it's sometimes very hard to get the nutrition in yeah. because you don't feel feel like eating at the moment. But yeah. you know, you should. So I'm trying to force the good stuff into me. <laughs> nice. Um, and, and one other product I know you use um, is TRR Pro Advanced Collagen. May you tell us what it is um, and why why you use it and and when you use it? 
Yeah, uh, I actually started to use uh, Pro Advanced College in a couple of months ago, uh, uh, six months ago, uh, and it's uh, a supplement that is supporting the healthy functions of your uh, bones, joints, and immune system. Uh, so it, uh, I noticed some positive improvements. Uh, after a couple of months of using because I felt like I was bouncing back to training a lot easier uh, and it was easier to come back and train hard each day. Mm. Uh, so now I'm using it uh, for uh, b before a hard training session uh, or just before bedtime. Nice. Awesome. Um, okay, so today's Monday for you, where, where you are. Um, tell us what training you did over the weekend and, and what you've got planned for today and tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I actually changed my training program uh, these uh, last couple of days because I'm racing uh, the Swedish Championship in half marathon on Wednesday. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so I had a... a, a, a uh, I had a real big week, uh, but we had to cut some training sessions uh, the last days and the upcoming days to be a little bit prepared for the for the nationals. Uh, it was decided two and a half weeks ago that uh, we could race it, uh, and I wasn't sure I uh, I was going to because. Uh, <laughs> I'm not in my best running shape now because I'm I was on my build for Kona, uh, so uh, maybe I will feel a little bit heavy among the <laughs> uh, track and field runners. But it's it's going to be really fun. We're going to race uh, um, uh, on a Formula One track, so uh, it's going to be some pretty fa fast times, I think. What's your What's your target time, or what would you love to be able to run? Uh, I would love to run below 115, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, this, so we're we're recording this interview before the race, and by by the time it comes out, you will have raced. So I will let everybody know uh, what your what your time uh, was in fact when you finished. So um, in terms of this year, it's it's obviously really hard to know what's going to happen and if there is any racing. Um, so do you have any provisional plans if the scheduled races that are in the calendar happen? Uh, yeah, I would love to race uh, Ironman Cozumel, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my dream races. Uh, so hopefully, uh, I, I actually read something about that. Uh, they plan to... Mm. Uh, to go go through with it, but you never know. Exactly. And I think exactly. may, maybe the race will uh, will go, but uh, traveling from Sweden to Mexico might be difficult. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so okay. we'll see. So maybe if there's any races in Europe that are, are still uh, going on and it's safe, uh, I will definitely go there. Uh, and I think on the schedule we have Italy and we also have Portugal, but I'm. Uh, uh, we we will just have to go ahead and see. Mm. Yeah. And what's what's the big plan for you the next two two to three years? You know, um, what are, what are you what are your goals and and hoping to achieve in the sport? Uh, I would like to be top three in Kona. Uh, of course, uh, of course, I want to win Kona, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we also have to be realistic, and there are some really fast girls out there uh, 
but I want to be um, uh, I want to try to be my best at Kona and want to try to put on put on a fight mm-hmm. yeah awesome and if uh, if people want to follow you what's the, the best way to do that are you a big Instagrammer are you yeah what, what's your your main way that people can keep track of what you're doing Probably Instagram. I'm not that big in, on social media, but Instagram uh, will probably be the easiest way to follow me. <laughs> what, what's your yeah, your hashtag or your 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 handle there? Uh, Sarah uh, Svensk Sarah. Nice, awesome. Oh, we look forward to seeing some some positive results from you. Um, you've certainly shown some uh, in 2019 some awesome performances. So we look forward to seeing your progress in Kona, and hopefully we'll see some racing from you uh, later on the season. At least you're going to do a half marathon, so uh, we know there's one result coming our way. Yep. Awesome. Thanks Thank for your time. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. John, you did that interview. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, just before we came back on, Bevan said, geez, did she do an 8.34? Yeah. And I said, yes, she did. I'm in Barcelona. That's fast. Now, we know Barcelona, Texas, races like that, wrote still do it. fast. You still got to go do it. <laughs> and like, look at the pedigree. So Chrissy Wellington, Daniela Reef, and Haag are the only people who have gone faster than her. Yeah. So, no, they're rock stars. So wait, so obviously you've done the interview, John, I don't know, but long course, what's her goals moving forward? Oh, she just wants to... Crank it, you know, but, yeah. So, but if she's someone, you know, she's going this fast, what do you think Kona-wise? Uh, definite potential. It's just, yeah, I, I think she's got the potential to go fast in Kona. She's a smart cookie, doctor. She knows her Some knows people have got it all, haven't they? Well, I think I've seen Some people morning, have got it all. Triathlon is very unique. You know, we've interviewed a few people over, the, females in particular, yeah. over the last few High months. High-level people, eh? Compare that to other sports. So we've got plenty of doctors. You know, we could reel off, you know, Four or five pro females, Lucy Gossage, got Sarah here, um, and I know there's a couple of others. The last few weeks, Thames and Lewis. Um, we've got a couple of uh, you know high level chartered accountants the last few yeah. weeks. Um, then there's you and me. Then there's, yeah, look how <laughs> well we do. Triathlons, <laughs> high level people. Yeah. So uh, we have got, especially on the female side, um, some athletes that have had previous careers outside of triathlon and then have come in and uh, hung up their boots elsewhere and just killing it. Hey, it's good just to see. Just a random thought. Has Thomas had his next race? Have the kids had the next race? No, Canterbury Champs are next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Mm. How's he feeling? How, how are they both feeling? Um, Felicity's less motivated than Thomas. Uh, Thomas is highly motivated and training extremely hard. Uh, so he'll, yeah, we'll see. How do you think it'll go? Uh, he could be anywhere between 5 and 20. You think? Yep. And, uh, yeah, there's some talented little runners. So we just need – he's, he's really fit. Yep. yep. <laughs> so he'll come through in the second half, hopefully. Yeah, good stuff. And, and what's 3K, isn't it? 3K, yep. Okay. 2K How, Felicity. And is it, is it, it the – Water quarry? Oh, so it's an up-and-down race. A little bit, yeah. The mud will put him – because Thomas is not a – technically a very good runner and he's not particularly gifted yep. but he's just got good work ethic and when you start getting into mud and things like that those those really athletes that are really light on their feet and natural yep. runners uh, and weigh a bit less not that Tom weighs much at all um, they just spring across that ground a little bit better so fingers crossed I saw your wife the other day I saw your wife and uh, Jen walking up Harry yep. L yep they're up there again today probably as we speak and we're having I'm having a romantic walk with my wife mm-hmm Tell me off because we're not running. Exactly, should have been. She's just like, "What are you doing, not running?" I was like, Mate, I'm having a walk with my wife. Half Ironman to get ready for. Oh yeah, I have too. 
Need to borrow those goggles. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, John's history lesson. So, John, oh, you want to pause? Yeah. He's, he's giving me the pause button. Okay, I'm pushing pause. And we're back, John. The pause is finished. Uh, okay, so in 2000, well, in the late 90s, mid-late 90s, the Olympics got announced for triathlon. Pretty big moment. In, when did it actually get announced? Um, was it 96 or 98? It's one or the other. The first. So it was actually pretty close to the Olympics. Yeah, because the first... There was a feeling it was going to happen, but 1995 was the first draft legal uh, world championships, which was held in Cancun in Mexico. Uh, and the main reason I can remember that is the 94 world champs were held in Wellington, and that was non-drafting in theory. <laughs> and then, one thing guys, if you, if you want to go listen back to some of our Legends of Triathlon podcasts, it's great because they're great podcasts, but everyone who... There's lots of people who thought they should have won that race. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And lots of and also people who didn't quite make it who thought they should have been there. But there's a lot of, I tell you what, there's just some good lessons. Um, Jackie Gallagher, who unfortunately passed away last year, wasn't it last year or two no, years ago? No, it was years ago, ago. yeah. Um, but she, interviewing her and just getting it right for that moment is such a hard thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, so first it was the first Olympics being held in 2000, being held in Sydney. Obviously 2000 was a big year with Y2K and all that sort of stuff oh, going Y2K, on back Y2K, John! Y2K. Were you uh, worried about Y2K? I wasn't chasing too much because no, back in those days we weren't so and we're tied pretty young to still. digital platforms. But imagine if you had a Y2K happening in 2020. Oh, yeah. Imagine how people would be crapping their pants. So much money made from people selling these solutions. Yeah. And it was nothing really in the end, was it? No, no. no. So anyway, it was the first ever triathlon Olympics. See, um, I'll tell you what, we don't need Y2K this year, John. We've had enough. <laughs> I think we've had <laughs> enough. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the, the Aussies set it up so that... The triathlon was the first medal sport of the games because they were really confident they were going to get some medals and proper oh, gold medals. It was it was really? either it was either on the first or second day. It, it was, was the first event, wasn't it? It was. I'm sh- I'm pretty yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure. I'll find out. Pretty sure it was going to be um, the first event, and so I'm going to try to pitch this because I know a lot of you guys would not have been in our sport in 2000. So we'll just reel off names and and we kind of recall them, but I'll I'll try to take it back a, a notch. So. The eventual winners of these races um, in 2000 were not the predicted winners a- at all. Uh, at least for, in my mind, they weren't. And uh, because you had lots of rock stars there, and the guys that won, you'd, you'd either hadn't heard of them or they'd done very, very little. Mm. So I thought, <laughs> because when I was doing this research yesterday, uh, it paints a slightly different picture in, in two regards. One, that the form book from a year out is not particularly good but the form book leading into the race can be uh, can be quite interesting and the athletes that did end up winning um, had actually performed really really well so I thought first thing I'd do I'll go back a year before or just over a year before in 1999 they had the Sydney ITU Triathlon World Cup which was a year and a half out from the Olympics um, to see who was performing and there we had a guy called Greg Bennett uh, who we've had you've interviewed on the show before he uh He's listed there as American because he he did end up racing for America, but at that stage he was still racing for Australia. He won it. Andrew Johns was second, and Jan Rahula was third. So Greg Bennett, I don't even think he made the team. No, he didn't. Uh, Andrew Johns, uh, I think, made the team but didn't do particularly well. Uh, but Jan Rahula, he ended up in the results. We had fourth Hamish Carter and fifth Chris Hill. So that was the top five uh, a year and a half out at the, the sort of test event. And then on the female side of things... 
uh, come on triathlon.org. We had Michaeli Jones first, uh, Loretta Harrop second, and Erica Molnar in third place. And fourth, we had Siri Lindley. Now, as it turned out, Michaeli Jones and Loretta Harrop were in the mix. Siri Lindley didn't even get to race. And so it's it's fairly similar to what we see in, say, athletics with sprinting. You know, 10 of the top 20 athletes in the world are from America, but only, what, two, maybe three can make it to the Olympics? Yeah. So a number of athletes did not make it. If we fast forward then to... Uh, 16th of April in 2000, which was you know leading into the Olympics, a few months out. This was their final test event. Um, this was where it got, started to get quite interesting for me because first place on the females you had Michaeli Jones, second place Bridget McMahon, and third place Mario uh, DeMarco Mesma. That was in April. And that was basically a podium that went on to win the Olympics, just in a slightly different order. Really? Which I did not realise whatsoever. So these guys... So actually, maybe it wasn't such a... Yeah. So they they had the form in April, and they managed to hold uh, hold on to that form all the way through. So Bridget McMahon, a lot of us thought she came from nowhere, but when you look at these results, she was second in the test event, only 10 seconds behind um, Michaeli Jones. So I, th- I found that fascinating because uh, I thought that she'd come from absolutely nowhere. Uh, and then on the elite men's side, s- uh, slightly different story because we had Peter Robertson who won the race and he did come from nowhere to win that race, uh, 149.32. He went on to do some great things after that. Stefan Vukovic who got second there and he made the podium in the Olympics and Vladimir Polikoprenko uh, finished in third place. Eric van der Linden and Ben Bright uh, fourth and fifth. So one name out of the top five performed on the day, the other four didn't. So the females, they were able to hold their form. The boys, slightly different story. Then they had one final selection race, um, not selection race, but a, a race that quite a few athletes did as their final preparation in Switzerland and Lausanne on the 12th of August, um, which was only a couple of weeks out. No, I'm not actually sure what date the Olympics was, but it was pretty close to the Olympics and one of the last big hitouts. Andrew Johns again uh, crushed it there, uh, beating out Hamish Carter and Craig Watson from New Zealand. Um, and none of those three did particularly well at the Olympics. So then on the female side, again, this is where I found it quite interesting. Uh, again, one of the key lead-in races. You had Siri Lindley winning it. Didn't make the Olympics, didn't get selected. Bridget McMahon second and McKaylee Jones in third. So Bridget McMahon and McKaylee Jones had a couple of really good tussles leading into the Olympics. And that's how it turned out on race day. Um, those two females uh, managed to get away uh, along with Mag- Magalie Mesmer and uh, Loretta Harrop. And uh, there was one other... Uh, American who was just not too far back uh, and they had a fantastic battle so yeah I just found this really interesting in my mind I always thought those two winners there had come from nowhere and uh, the males winner we'll talk about in a moment kind of did to a degree but the females winner Bridget McMahon had got a year's worth of form under her belt and led into the race really really nicely and if you do want something to watch, I just, as I said, I probably spent five minutes watching it yesterday, both the males and the females race, and the run is just brilliant dueling, really, really worth watching. In the females race? Uh, both the males and the females race. Uh, so I'd really encourage you to, you know, even now you possibly know the winners, um, the way it unfolds is absolutely brilliant. It, it comes right down to the wire. But the female winner eventually got done. She did. So Bridget McMahon, uh, she went on, carried on racing four years later, finished 10th in Athens, um, but in 2005 tested positive for EPO. Claimed that she wasn't taking it beforehand, but it's like, 
So that is a fairly tainted victory um, over Michaeli Jones in 2000, who is one of the most versatile and greatest athletes we've we've seen uh, on the female side of it. One of the few that's won, you know, over every distance, over every discipline, triathlon. Pretty sure she's won duathlon, uh, Ironman as well. And in her time, there wasn't really a, a 70.3 world champs, but I dare say she she quite possibly could have won that as well. Um, and then on the male side, this where it was a bit of a boil over. So two of the, the the podium had had a bit of form, but they certainly weren't your dominant players. You had Jan Rahula from the Czech Republic and Stefan Vukovic from Germany. They would be guys you'd go, yeah, they'll be good for top tens, yep. maybe a top five, but you certainly wouldn't be putting them on your podium. And Simon Whitfield. Uh, so why did it happen? So many nerves, you know, and a lot of people just change things in their build up I and mean, you've talked to people like Hamish Carter before they they change what they a uh, winning record you know essentially this is it's another race, it's another race yeah. and it's more like a world championship so everybody's kind of there but lots of people just did things differently and plus the pressure was enormous um, because because if you even look at the top 10 yeah like the top 10 okay you had Lessing and Don Don's pretty young at this stage um, so Lessing underperformed because he would everyone, everyone, everyone's going he's, it's oh. his it's like, give it to him now. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, what's the point of having the race? Yeah. He gets ninth. I don't know. Miles Stewart's a name I know, John. Yeah, he, and he always performed well. So he was the best performing Aussie in sixth place. Uh, Ivan Rana went on to do really good things in fourth, but a uh, fifth, sorry. But you wouldn't, there's no way you, anybody would have picked uh, that top five. You know, uh, you may have got one or two of those right. But, you know, if I was looking at that list. Nicolanis, it's interesting to look at the list for other names. Yeah. If, you, if you'd looked at that list, you know, I would have picked one of the Aussies to be in the top five. You probably would have picked Hamish Carr to be in the top five and then Simon Lessing and then you might have a couple of roughies that sort of come in and, and do some surprising. So none of those uh, none of those five got in the top five. And, and Hamish got 26th. Hamish completely bombed out, yeah. But then he came back and won gold, so it's all yeah. okay. Yeah, it was a good redemption story, wasn't it? Mm. Um, okay, so Whitfield. So Whitfield comes out of nowhere. Had he done anything before this race? Very little. I mean, people knew of the name, and he'd had a few results here or there. Yep. But uh, that's what really kickstarted his career. And a lot of people knew the talent. It was a bit like Jan Fredino. A lot of people knew the talent he had going in when he had won. So Jan Fredino hadn't done that much before he won his Olympic gold. That wasn't medal. total surprise. Um, yeah, but Simon Whitfield, you would not have put him on your your list of uh, athletes. He did go on from that to have a very oh, very good career, an amazing um, career, because he won another Olympic medal. Yes, uh, he, he had a bit of a dip after the Olympics, but then uh, anyone won a world championship, back. didn't he? Whitfield, don't think that he did because in his time, that's probably when it did start to switch over. Okay. I don't know if he won a world champs, um, but let, let's have a quick look. So if we go 1999, uh, he had a, a 50th, a 42nd, a 33rd. The Pan American Games, he got third. Uh, then he had a 29th, a seventh, a ninth. He did get second in Rio de Janeiro in March in, 2022, in 2000. Then he had an 11th, a 12th. He had a 4th in Toronto in July, a 2nd in Cornerbrook going into the Olympics. So his form was building. And then he goes 1, 1, 1, 1, 6, 11, 8, 2, 1, 1, 1, 49, 9, 1, 1, 4, 1. So it was, uh, it was a bit of a breakthrough moment, to put it mildly. Okay. Yeah, well. What a breakthrough moment. Mm. Hey, um, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, any other things just to think about that race, John? It's just, when I quickly looked at it yesterday, it was just spectacular weather. 
Yeah. Amazing what crowds. What a play in Sydney Harbour. Come on. Cool venue. So I w- would really encourage you. It's on the, as I said, it's on the Olympic Channel. Um, no commentary. You might be able to get commentary elsewhere. Uh, but just as a spectacle, it was it was pretty impressive. And it's just back in the old days, speedos and singlets and stuff. It's just uh, just a bit different to what we see these days. Okay. So the f- the first day was just the opening ceremony. Day two, the first medals were awarded to the women's ten metre air rifle competition, which was won by Nancy Johnson of the USA. <laughs> Great. Um, but the triathlon made its Olympic debut with the women's race on this first day. Set in the surroundings of the Sydney Opera House, um, Bridget McMahon, representing Switzerland, swam, cycled, and ran to the first gold medal in the sport, beating favourites such as hometown favourite Kaylee Jones for silver. Uh, and then on day three, which is second day of competing, uh, Simon Whitfield sprinted away for the 100 metres, mm. last 100 metres to win the men's triathlon, becoming the inaugural winner of the event. Uh, but it's just interesting, in the background, I just saw some other names like um, Thorpedo. Like, that was one of her, yeah, he crushed it there, didn't he? Yeah, he won a medal on day one. So the star of the Olympic Games was Ian Thorpe. The 17-year-old Australian set the first world record in the 400-meter freestyle final before completing an exciting 400-meter freestyle final swim. So they started the Olympics with the swims. Because nowadays it's normally week two, isn't it? No, swimming's always week one, isn't it? Athletics, oh, is, it? athletics is week two. Oh, okay, that's how it works. Um, I'm pretty sure 2000... That was his games, wasn't it? And I'm pretty sure that's when they all had the full suits, so it was a bit stupid. Oh, I think, I think. okay. I remember Mecca, and I've probably talked about the show on the show in the past, but Mecca talking about the pressure on Torpedo. Mm. And he was saying how on a Friday... At wherever he lived, um, there was one of those swimming pools that had stadiums, mm. you know, so it was a pretty decent sized swimming pool. I think it was outdoor, but mm. I don't know why I think it's outdoor, but anyway. Um, most of them are in Australia. Yeah. yeah. So um, on a Friday, they let the public come and watch them swim. Mm. It'd be jam packed mm. just for a practice swim. That's yeah. just, just the pressure on Torpedo. And he was he was an ex, wasn't he? So many of Why was he so good? Oh, it's just. It's just one of those things. When ever, it's like a Chrissy. When everything sort of comes in into line, probably good coaching, amazing athlete, amazing engine, and then he had the head to to get him there as well. So it's everything coming together. But size was extremely helpful for him. He was a big unit. He was a big unit, wasn't he? Whatever size feet he had. Um, so good on him. Yeah, torpedo and a great nickname. Absolutely, torpedo. Come on, that's got to be one of the best sports nicknames of all time. Yeah, a torpedo. Okay, John, let's do a winger of the week. Winger of the week. Okay, I'm going to say, I was going to say 2000, but we don't. <laughs> we yeah. can't go that low. Um, I'm going to say. Go 20 for the start of 2000. Okay, we'll do 20. Uh, George Gray came on Epic Camp last year. He did around 20 hours, exactly 20 hours and zero minutes from 12 activities. Managed to sneak in a swim for 53 minutes. Uh, did 13 hours and 35 on the bike and 5 hours and 30 minutes on the run. I think we, he's, I think he's Madman, George Madman Gray, I think. Oh, nice. Uh, and where is George from in the UK? I can't remember off the top of my head. Let's see if we've got a private profile. So last year, he went to France last year, came on Epic Camp. Then went away a big and camp. crushed it at Ironman Italy. Very impressive splits. Um and oh, when you go onto his um, profile page, he's got his uh, polka dot jersey from Epic Camp in there. No, I've he's got, got a picture of his. I've still got uh, that somewhere lying around. Yeah, it's got a picture of his, his two daughters in there with a dog. He's got his World Championship 70.3 qualifying med- member. Uh, and it looks like he's been building up his training, John, because if you look at the trajectory of the year, January is pretty low, but each month, just slowly creeping up, he's had a pretty big July. He has. Yeah. Nice and consistent, sitting around about that sort of 20 hours. A week, give or take. Side-by-side uh, side comparison. Oh, he's a bit of a Zwifter as well. You know, he's on the on the Zwift yesterday. And let's see. Oops. 
wrong page. He's got a, a, a marathon time of 3.18, a half marathon of 1.22, a 35.10K, a 17.39. Now, if that's accurate, he should be faster in his marathon. Maybe he hasn't pulled a marathon together. Yeah, no, he's faster than that in the marathon. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe it's just not on Strava. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just in terms of his biking, let's see what his biggest bike ride was. 228.6 Ks. I reckon that was on Epic Camp as well. Let me just pull that one up because I'm pretty sure I know which ride that was if it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it was not. There you go. It was on, the, it was on my birthday. And, tw- and George went for a bike ride on my birthday. He was like, I'm going to do a happy birthday John ride. Depend- oh, no, he didn't. Bloody Americans. Stupid dates. Americans follow order with the rest of the world. It's the 6th of the 7th, 2015. Which the American way is the seventh uh, of June, uh, so it wasn't my birthday. But he rode in Magnum United Kingdom. He did two hundred and twenty-eight kilometres for a moving time of eight hours and five minutes. Uh, That's crazy when you think about it, isn't it? Three thousand six hundred and twenty-eight metres of climbing. No wonder people think we're crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not even a part of the world nowadays, but when you you know riding your bike for eight hours, yeah, exactly. you know, like. And that's moving time as well. That's not uh, yeah, that's not, not just being out there time. So it was probably more like a nine-hour ride, including stops. So good on him. Good work, mate. You are our winger of the week. week. Okay, question. That's just a quick one. Melina sent through something about Hayden Wilde just saying the guy is an ex. He is. He ran a 3K. I'm not sure if it was last weekend or it was definitely very recently, um, but went... 7.59.15 over three kilometres. It was a track race. Uh, so what's, that, what's, that two, what's that, 220s? Uh, you do the maths, but it's pretty no, fast. So he also, with one of his training mate, mates, this guy Samuel Tanner, who's a um, one of our top up-and-coming young runners who should be, I think, on scholarship over in the States, but isn't over there at the moment. He went a couple of seconds quicker, and they're both in the same place, both coached by Craig Kirkwood. Um, but 7.59.15 is not mucking around at all. 759 okay let's have a look here we go he's averaging so I'm just going to be I, I said to him 239s yeah every, it, it, it does seem amazing to me um, but when I see some of the other splits as well like Blumenfeld and Richard Murray they're all posting amazingly fast run times uh, so, so okay comparison to like a Blumenfeld I think he's quicker than them um, but then what about Hayden Yee uh, oh, Alex oh, Yee oh, I Alex think Yee, he's, he's pretty much getting on par with him I think um, Alex G. So, so is Wild as an overall swimming weakness? But weakness, how bad? Uh, lose packs. Yeah, it uh. just makes just makes that uh, main pack if he's on a good day. So, pretty similar to Alex G. Okay, um, but he's a weapon on the bike. Okay, uh, and a very good, amazing runner. So, so is his career going to be going to get the swimming? I think so. You know, you'd think of someone like a Mario Mola, he might end up. Well, Mario Mola's not a beast on the bike, though. But well, is he, so Hayden's a bit like Mola in the, in the swim. Yeah, you're always going. Shit, I hope he comes out of the swim in an okay place. Yep. I know we're a bit Kiwi biased over here. Oh, well, but, we need this kid. <laughs> yeah, but he's out of anybody that's coming through. We're going. Shit, this dude can run with the best in the world. So, it should be good times going ahead. So, what do you, Harold? Pretty young. He's still. Pretty sure he could have raced under 23 worlds last year, so he's still under 23. Jeez, that's exciting for New Zealand, isn't it? It is, but then again, you've got that old pressure of one person, although we have got a few good guys now, so it's not all on one person. Yeah, it's great. It's just good to see some talent coming through. Uh, John, let's do our patrons. George, Mr. Money Banks. We've got uh, Keith, the Ice Lord Manning. And Marcus, the Thunderbolt Aronson. Team, if you want to become a patron on the show, go to www.imtalk.me 
and just go through the process. It's all pretty simple, but it's also just a great way to support the boys. You get a free gift. You go to Jordan, win a trip to Kona, whenever it will happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, just get to hang out with the boys at some stage, but also just support the show, and that's really the most important thing about it. Uh, if you want to get the show emailed to you, down on the front page, just click on put your email information through. Uh, if you want to get some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com, my podcast, bevanjamesoz.com, you can get it there. Other cool websites and other stuff like that, you can email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me or John on Instagram, Bevan James Owls. Uh, I think I'm Newsome John on Instagram. Newsome John. I think. Newsome John. Without any. Prolific poster that I am. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm, I'm trying to do a bit more of it. Because <laughs> I've got quite a few, I've got about 8,000 followers, which is not huge, but it's not small. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to do a bit more. Mm. Try and do a bit more, John. Try and do a bit more. Um, John, you goss. As I said, we had our local triathlon club awards on Saturday afternoon, uh, and Dylan McNeese came along. Uh, John Hellmans was supposed to be talking, but unfortunately he had a family bereavement. Oh, no. Um, but Dylan, so Dylan McNeese plugged the gap, and uh, he's retired. So he retired back in March. Um, oh, that's which I didn't under know. the radar? Yeah. Um, but so what did he say? Did he do a yarn? Did he have a talk? Uh, no, he did like a question and answer sort of um, yep. talk. So that was that was really good. Told some some good little stories and also what I said. Next, oh, so what next for him now? Well, he's I, an I engineer, said, isn't he? I said, no, he's not. That's Mike Phillips. You're oh. thinking of. Uh, I said, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm working for the PTO. So he's working for the oh, professional great. triathlon organisation. So, uh, so that's all good. They're making some progress. Um, he says, still got so much we can be doing, which is which is great to hear. So yep. now we've got an inside source on uh, what's going on with the PTO when we need it. Nice. Yeah. And that Bevan. Took the fan, the fan hour out for a big uh, bike ride on I Sunday. That. I saw that. Big where'd climb. you go? See, where'd you go? Oh, out near a little river. Yep, there's a few tears. Oh, you was only, You only post the good stuff on uh, <laughs> social media. <laughs> Who cried? One family member in particular was oh. uh, was laying down a few tears. So that was a bit painful. How did you get through that moment? Sorry? Oh, she, she was just being a little bitch. <laughs> No problem. We, it was, we did this big climb. It was, it was seven and a half kilometres. She was crying before then. Um, it's seven and a half kilometres at 8%. So for you guys that ride, say, Zwift, that's basically sitting at what Alp de Zwift is or Alp de Wiz. Yeah. Uh, and that's average. There was a lot way steeper than that. So it was really tough. So I wasn't being hard on her at that yeah. climb. She was just being a pain in the ass before that on the approach. In what so, way? Just a teenager opinion yeah. us. Uh, and she hasn't been on her bike, so I, I could have maybe handled it slightly better, but she's she's just being a pain in the ass at the moment. How old is she now? Uh, 11. Oh, it's only just begun. Yeah. No, We've got other friends who are kids of a similar age, and uh, yeah, they're going through the same kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, having moments where they're like, <sighs> do I want to be a parent? Yeah. Yeah, you do get to the other side, John. Oh, right. my daughter's twenty-three. It's awesome. Middle she lives overseas, so it's very easy. But um, yeah, the other side's really great. Mm. So you got that to look forward to. So that was that was my weekend. Mainly, didn't watch any sport at the weekend. That was a bit disappointing because all the teams won. Yeah, the Warriors watch. didn't see any of it. I should have teached you when the Warriors winning. Yeah, watch the Warriors. They won, and then watch the rugger. Yeah, watch the rugby. That was good as well. I almost crashed into some of your runners crossing the road on Saturday morning when I went out for a bike ride. Oh, you did must you? been running down the bottom of the hill, were you? The, I've got the greatest 10K race. Mm-hmm. The greatest 10K race if you're on Christchurch. So what you do is you start where the, the dies past churches, All right. run up to the cup. Mm-hmm. It's a hard start. Because mm-hmm. tell, tell people about that little bit there, John. Um, so from the church up there... And you've got that sharp little camera in that corner. It's just steep. Yeah, probably... 
eight percent, nine percent, maybe some ten in there. And, as and well. literally, that's the start. Mm. So we start them halfway up that driveway, that driveway mm-hmm. to the side there. They run up to the cup, so they're just huffing and puffing, mm-hmm. and then run down to the bottom. This is an injury waiting to happen. Yep, it's great. Yep. The, the, the type of training these people have done, they're pretty conditioned for it. Then they run down valley, or down down to the bottom along the um, Kashmir Road and then flat. Purau Terrace and up to that little reserve. Which is a, it's a little trail. Again, probably a re- it's got some steps at the yeah, top. Yeah, some good steps too, John. Mm, nice. And then they have to come out of the Overdale Drive back up and three laps of that. And the, the thing is... Three laps? Yeah. Wow. And three <laughs> laps of it is exactly 10K. Right. It's right. a great race and they hate it and yeah. I love it. Good. Yeah, it's good. And interestingly, so one of our and and the guy who normally runs about he'd probably do like a forty minute ten k. So it's about seven minutes slower. He did about seven minutes slower than what he'd normally do. Yeah. So it's not too much slower. Downhill, you got to be king. You got to smoke the downhill. Got to let it go, don't you? Mm-hmm. Got to lean in, wave those arms around like you're a flappy exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. And and then rock on from there. So yeah. Uh, so I watched a bit of sport. Uh, Porno and I went for a run. John. Porno got an award on Sunday as well. I did get the official award. Official of the year. Because Porno goes to me. I go, what are you up to? And he goes, I'm going to the triathlon award, um, awards. I go, oh, you're cool. And he goes, he got, he got the phone call. Are yeah. you coming? Are you coming? Yeah. <laughs> That's always a bit of a clue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I've won New Zealand Fitness Instructor of the Year three times. And uh, and I only went to the award ceremony once because you had to pay. And they, mm. you know, and you got to, like, it's going to cost me a thousand bucks. I can't really care. I just want the award. Yeah. Um, First time they rang me, oh, are you coming? I was like, oh, not really. It's, oh, you really should come. <laughs> so, um, the funny thing was, so Sean of the Porno Barnes uh, was getting the award and, and MC Ken was, was doing the spiel, you know, yeah. this person's done this, 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 this. I don't think he's here today. I haven't seen him today. Uh, so we'll just push on. Oh. No, he's here. <laughs> yeah. So we got we, it in the end. Where'd you run the event? The Cashmere Club. Oh, nice. Mm. Nice, the old Cashmere Club. Mm. Uh, other than that, John... I'm going to have to get into the pool. That's right. But I was starting my training in September, I said, didn't I? Yeah. Yep. I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm not really looking forward to that, but I've got to get it done. Um, oh, no, John. Oh, here we go. The band did the first performance. With a live crowd? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, just yeah. by ourselves? Yeah. Well, a crowd <laughs> of substance. So, John, so last Wednesday night, we uh, we went along to a place called The Dark Room. In Christchurch, now, I don't normally go I've to bars. I've never heard of the space. No, yeah, but, but it's kind of a bit retro, but kind of mm. pretty basic, but also kind of cool. Um, went along, big crowd, mm. and I'm thinking, you know, Wednesday night. Yeah, I'm, and I'm thinking, I've done, we've done, I've done a couple of open mics in the past, and it's kind of like, you know, fifteen people who just want mm. to get up in there do things. It was pretty packed, really. Now, really, it's not a thousand people venue, but still, it was mm. a good feel. A uh, couple of people went on first. One guy before us did some poetry. He was a bit out there. Yeah. <laughs> he was definitely a bit out there, but got us a few laughs. Uh, our time comes up. I, cover, I think another guy played a few songs for us. We get up. You get, you get 15 minutes. So you, well, you basically mm. get to play three songs. Mm. And so we get up. John, I was nervous like you would not believe. Mm. Oh, my God. Now, I stand in front of people, and I, you know, I'm, I'm in front of people every day of my life. Mm. Very confident, very... I'm competent in that. Well, not as a musician, it turns out, John. And the thing about playing the piano is your hands are really important. Yeah, sweaty hands. So, more shaking hands, John. Yeah. So, we get up and uh, we, we do three songs. We do one's called um, Wake Up, which is 
it's actually probably the easiest song I'm going to play because I actually only use one hand mm-hmm. and it's mainly just bass work. So it's the easiest song we're going to play. And then we do one which we call, what do we call that song? Um, uh, I can't even remember. Oh, something else. Um, so the second song is my hardest song I'm going to play. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's the most piano-based song. It's, it's, for my ability, it's the, it's the hardest one. I'm gonna, now, I'm really at home and when we practice in the, in the garage, we, we practice, I'm fine. And then the last song is mid. So I'm playing the first song and I'm so nervous and my I, I make mistakes. You probably wouldn't notice them a lot, but I'm definitely making mistakes. Mm. I'm so nervous. My hands are shaking like crazy. <laughs> my stage presence is, is I look like a man who's basically looking at headlights. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know just my, I've got my head down on my piano, I'm not moving at all. Luckily, our lead singer is a pretty good mu- experienced musician, so he's he's pulling the crowd through, so it's all good. So but so I'm here and all I'm thinking of the playing this first song is why did we choose the second song? <laughs> because I'm finishing myself, <laughs> making mistakes. Again. Why did we choose the second song? Because I'm just so nervous. The second song comes along, and again, I'm, I'm sh- like seriously, I'm joined. My hands are looking like this. Yeah, it's like my hands are having a fit. So the second song, I'm just so trying to. All I'm doing is get your hands in the right place. So I was get your hands in the right place. I got through. I'd say. I'd say it was a. A 75% performance. A B? Just. Just. Just a B. I, 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 I made some mistakes, but they weren't crucial mistakes. Mm. I got through it. Third song, sweet, because I, I was kind of got through that hard bit. And um, But I tell you what, John, we're getting up again in another couple of weeks. I need to be performing a lot more. Because our aim is we want to be recording our album in September and then try to be, start to push towards kind of doing marketing and stuff around it. So the aim is to kind of really be pushing to being, starting to build a fan base probably November, December and leading into early next year. I need to be performing a lot more, John. But I'll tell you what, so healthy for me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, challenge. you know, yeah, exactly. And it's like, um, in fitness and as as a leader and as all these other areas of my life, I'm very confident, I'm very, um, not in a cocky way, but I just have lots of experience in that area. It's pretty rare I'm nervous in that world. Mm. Tell you what, it was so good to be nervous. But the other side of it is, I do believe our band's got good songs because the feedback you got from the crowd, and it wasn't just, hey, you're nice, you know, like, in open mics, you're always going to get a clap because everyone supports each other. Mm. But our, we actually got cheers. Like people were like, "Wow, that's really good music." So it's quite exciting on that front. But I was, I was just, I'm so glad I'm doing something in life that I'm shit scared of. Because mm. I think right. when you get to a certain age, we just go to the thing we know well. And uh, so yeah, so it was a good experience. So you guys are going to hear about the band and the music as we release. But for now, it was a good start on this journey of mine. Very good. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. I mean, don't train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.